Okay, we're recording. So hello, everyone. This is the Catholic Doula Program. I'm here today with Lily Nichols. Lily, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Yes, so happy to be here. Um, I, if you want me to start from the top, so my background is as a registered dietitian nutritionist and also a certified diabetes educator with a specialty in pregnancy nutrition and nutrition for gestational diabetes. Uh, so some of you may know me from my books, Real Food for Pregnancy and Real Food for Gestational Diabetes. And my work mostly focuses on improving outcomes for pregnancy by optimizing a mother's nutrition. And I'm usually pointing out areas where our you know, conventional nutrition recommendations um, have some gaps and where we can fill in those gaps nutritionally, um, mainly focused on food. Oh, that's awesome. We actually, um, one of our courses is um, from the Holistic Birth. It's all about nutrition, to become a nutritional doula. So your book is actually the book based off the course, actually. So. Oh, wow. Great. Yes. So I took that course. So that's how I kind of also worked with Julie. So I ended up taking that course and that's how I read your book. It's a very awesome book by the way. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, so what led you to become a dietitian a little bit? So I have been interested in nutrition my whole life. I was one of those um, rare people who went into college with a major decided upon and did not waver from that. Um, so it's been an interest for a long time. Um, what got me to you know, get into the prenatal nutrition side of things was you know, watching the just epidemic of, of poor childhood health out there. Um, and I happened to be working with an organization called the California Diabetes and Pregnancy Program, where I learned that children born to mothers who have uncontrolled gestational diabetes face a six-fold higher risk of becoming obese or developing type 2 diabetes by the time they're teenagers. And that really stuck out to me because we know that we can actually change those outcomes, like improve their trajectory of health for their whole life if we help mamas have better blood sugar control. And that was a that was a big eye-opening eye-opening moment for me where I was like, whoa, this is a two birds with one stone situation. Like if we can improve prenatal nutrition um, and prenatal health, we can actually change a a child's health um, for life. And this has been really well studied. It's the whole study of epigenetics. Um, but that's, that's what's kept me in the field. It, it just seems like it's such, it's an area where we can make the, probably the biggest impact public health wise, um, but also on an individual level, just, you know, there's as a mom myself, like there's no greater joy than watching your children grow up to be healthy kids, you know, and I wanted yeah. to help support um, families do that. Well, that's awesome. So is that the reason why you came up with the book to try to read, uh, to reach a mass population more? Or do you like to prefer to work one-on-one -on -one with people? I mean, it's a combination of both. So, I mean, my first book is Real Food for Gestational Diabetes. I published that in 2015. And the reason I wrote that book was that what I observed in clinical practice, and I worked with hundreds and hundreds of women with gestational diabetes, was that the conventional recommendations really failed to control their blood sugar. Sometimes their blood sugar actually got worse. 
And so it was working with that population that I developed a, a different approach. It's different than the standard of care. Um, it's more nutrient dense, it's lower in carbohydrates, just to give a couple examples. Um, and I wanted to get that out there because if you're, if it's like every client that would come my way or any like thread on gestational diabetes on social media or something that I'd get tagged in was just people sharing really outdated information that wasn't actually helping people manage their blood sugar better. It was making it worse. It was making their pregnancies more complicated, more likely that their child would have issues at birth or even later in life. And it was like, why are we giving out information that isn't helping people? You know, it's like the first do no harm idea yeah. of medicine and of nutrition as well as you want to help people and not then set them up for success. So I knew I had to get that message out on a bigger scale. Um, and doing so through a book seemed like the best way to do it because I could have inline citations to all the research supporting why my approach, although it's different than conventional therapy, is actually um, works better. And ultimately, I think, you know, the proof is in the pudding. There's a lot of people who use that approach. The um, Czech Republic actually changed their official dietary guidelines on gestational diabetes in 2016, following the oh, research wow. that they found in my book and are reporting improved outcomes. And there's a lot of clinics around the globe, um, probably most of them in the U.S., who use those guidelines instead of conventional therapy and it just it works better you have lower rates of you know requiring medicine and insulin or if they're needed lower doses you have better outcomes fewer complications with mom and baby actually so um that's what made me write my first book and then the second book came about because people were asking me from that hey do you have any recommendations for a general pregnancy nutrition book not specific to you know blood sugar related issues and I looked on the market and I just, I couldn't find one that was up to par. They were all just rehashing the guidelines. And I knew from all my work in research and consulting that there was a lot of room for improvement on the general guidelines as well. And so um, Real Food for Pregnancy really was written because people asked me to write it. And um, I, at the time I was like, oh, it's just, it's like, just do the same thing that's in Real Food for GD, right? But there's so many more topics to go into um, that I specifically didn't go into in Real Food for GD because I wanted to keep it really focused on the issue at hand, the blood sugar issue. So Real Food for Pregnancy covers like a little bit on blood sugar, but then like everything else, all these other topics that I didn't even touch in the first book. Well, that's good to hear because I did. I haven't got yet to reading the real food for GD. Um, I did read the real food for pregnancy one, and we we were to read over the gestational diabetes section. But I am actually having my first client now, and she has D GD. So right away, mm. I told her, "You got to go get this book." Mm -hmm. <laughs> I told her I haven't read it, but I heard it's very good. So yeah, it it takes it really from the approach of like, don't freak out. This diagnosis is not going to ruin your pregnancy. Um, here's what to do. <laughs> it's, it's written yeah. very much from the perspective of empowering you to take control of it versus so many of the other resources on gestational diabetes are very doom and gloom and very like scary. They just highlight all these complications and they, it's almost like they want to use like fear to yeah, push you it's into a lot doing of fear mongering. Things. Yeah, it's really, I think it's really problematic because if, if you can 
for the most part, keep your blood sugar in the normal range, like for the majority of the pregnancy, you're at no higher risk of complications than somebody who doesn't have a diagnosis of GD. Like a lot of GD cases are very mild and can be managed nutritionally. And so um, I, I try to keep it on the, on the positive side of things because that's really where people are happy to make change, you know, when they feel empowered, not from a place of fear. Well, I think that's important because like with my client too, she's had other diagnoses with other things in the pregnancy and I'm just, I feel for her. So that's why mm. I told her like, just because you now have GD doesn't mean you're going to, it's the end of the world kind of thing. Like mm -hmm. make sure you read books, like do your research on it a bit too, because they'll tell you a certain way and then they don't go from there. <laughs> Mm -hmm. You know what exactly. I mean? Like, oh yeah. Well, she only failed by like 0. 0.2, I think at the back. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. she said it was so minimal. Mm. So I was like, yeah, ah. yeah. yeah, it's frustrating But there's like, I mean, you know, from uh, real food for pregnancy, there's a whole section on like the diagnostic guidelines for gestational diabetes. Um, and it's frustrating when you're like right on the border of one of those thresholds. What really, I mean, what really matters more than a label is that your blood sugar is well controlled. Like, I don't care if it's an yeah. official diagnosis of GD or not, because there's always the case of both false positives or false negatives on any of the testing options you might use to diagnose. And it's like frustrating as a mom to get a label of something, especially when you're like borderline. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, when you understand that hey, this is a, like an area that I can be proactive on. Like if you can keep your blood sugar in a healthy range, you're just much more likely to have a healthy baby, healthy outcomes all around. If you didn't have a diagnosis and you didn't have any awareness of your blood sugar levels, like what if you happen to be one of the false negatives where like you should have been diagnosed, but you weren't. So you're like going through your whole pregnancy with pretty frequently elevated blood sugar, like then there actually could be some complications that you wouldn't know about. And so you can be proactive and, and work to prevent some of those issues. I mean, I'm a fan of everybody having some awareness of their blood sugar levels yeah. um, diagnosed or not. Um, but I do know the frustration because getting a label sometimes, depending on the provider you're working with, can put you in a category where they think you're high risk and that can lead to a cascade of um, recommendations or interventions or monitoring that people might not want. And so that, that's a very, you know, uh, it's, that's the reality. It's a very real thing. Well, I'm plus size. So whenever I go to the doctor, they're always testing my blood sugars. And every time mm. I pass, I'm like, ha, see, <laughs> I did it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like mm -hmm. the test you want to pass good with. Oh yeah. Yep. So do you have any plans to write any more books? pregnancy related or more food related kind of books? Uh, you know, there probably will be more books. <laughs> so probably. I get a lot of, I get a lot of requests for books, um, on, you know, every topic. <laughs> so someone's like, write real food for life. So I can like give it to my grandmother. Um, so we'll see. There's definitely going to be some books in the future. I'm, I'm hesitant to, like nail down a topic or a time at which this will be written. Um, okay. because I'm, you know, I'm still fairly early postpartum. I have a six month old, um, my oh, second wow. just turned six months. So I'm just like dipping my toe back into work. Um, and I'll, I'll see when I have like the mojo to start really working on like a big, well, that's good. You took, took some time for postpartum. Yes. 
Yeah, it's important. So yeah, I mean, I started writing Real Food for Pregnancy when my first was 10 months old. And so I, you know, there's a reason the postpartum chapter in there is so long. (laughs) I learned that you really need to um, take your time. Um, But also I was like in the midst of it as I was writing that book. There seems to be something, maybe this is just my brain and we'll see if this happens this postpartum as well. But like my brain becomes much more functional (laughs) as I approach the one year mark. Um, Whereas the early months, there's just, you know, it's like your brain space isn't there for work. Um, And I'm, I'm fortunate that I'm able to create that time and sort of create a bit, um, a bit of buffer for maternity leave, because I know that's not the reality for so many people. Well, that's good. Well, maybe, maybe your next topic would be on postpartum then, or fertility. Yeah, right. There's been requests for a postpartum book, which is interesting, because I wrote this super long chapter on postpartum being like, well, when you're postpartum, you don't have any time to read books, right? So I'm just going to like shove this into the pregnancy book and hope that people read that chapter. And, and then people are going to be like, let's note. give us more. Yeah, exactly. That's where we're at. So we'll see that that could be a whole other book in itself. I mean, I already have um, two pretty lengthy webinars for professionals, one on nutrient um, postpartum recovery and nutrient repletion and one on nutrition for breastfeeding. And even creating those resources, it was like, oh, right. There's so much more beyond what I wrote about in the postpartum chapter of Real Food for Pregnancy. So um, someday, someday. Yeah. Well, if you have the links for those, I can attach in the bio, then people could sign oh, up. Yeah. Or, I don't know how you have it set up that way. Yeah, they are, um, they are recorded and available on demand. So I will send you those links so you can put them in the notes. Definitely. Yeah. Well, because we have a lot of listeners that are doulas or I don't know about the midwives or area, but I think we're mainly doulas that listen. So I think that's where our listeners are from. But uh, how would you suggest that uh, doulas can apply these to help other mothers or other people that we know in our life? Uh, Meaning like the resources that I have? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, I think, I think the big role as, as doulas is that you're, you're educators and support people, but you're also usually there's, there's more of like a peer to peer relationship, or at least that's how I felt with my doula, um, versus like healthcare provider. There can be a bit of like a professional separation. Sometimes it depends on who your provider is and what your relationship is like. Um, but I think that puts doulas in a really unique role in that you're actually able to probably get more detailed information about your clients like fears goals um just where they're at on a day-to-day basis like you have more time than a lot of healthcare practitioners um that might be less true of midwives usually midwives have a little more time for appointments than um than some doctors again it really depends um but i think that puts you in a in a really great role to serve as an educator and really what I try to do with my resources is make them pretty detailed and then just heavily evidence-based so they're everything is cited um so I think your role as as an educator is to like read the detailed stuff and then share that with your clients in a way or in a level of detail that you think is appropriate for their particular situation. 
Um, so like especially Real Food for Pregnancy is written at a bit of a higher reading level um, compared to Real Food for GD. Real Food for GD is really like written directly specific. to, yeah, it's very specific. And it's also just since I have a background working, um, especially with a lot of low income and low literacy um, clients, it's, it's written in a very just like simple, empowering kind of a way, right? Um, but Real Food for Pregnancy is a bit of a higher reading level, and I, I acknowledge that. And I think that's where um, educators, clinicians can kind of play the role of like sharing as much information as you think is appropriate for the client. It's not that it's not appropriate for the client. You know, I really tried to make it um, understandable for everyone, but it's just, you know, a lot of bigger words and a lot more yes. researchy sort of stuff. Um, and that was a very intentional choice um, on my part, because anytime you're questioning the convention, you do need to back yourself up with a lot of science, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that's probably the best way that that people can use it, you know, read, digest, and decide what level of detail is appropriate to share with clients or, you know, maybe share certain sections of the book or have them refer to certain areas, use it sort of as like a, a reference guide, maybe. Okay. Well, it was just one of the questions from the owner, so I, I mentioned it. <laughs> Uh, so do you recommend that during pregnancy, yeah. besides your doctor, you should also have a nutritionist or a special person that focuses on nutrition during the time? Mm, I mean, I think it depends on the person, right? And in an ideal world, probably everybody would meet with a nutritionist, just like everyone would meet with a public floor physical therapist, right? Yes. Um, but it's a matter, I think it, you have to sort of decide on a case-to-case -case basis when that makes sense. So for somebody who's um, maybe has a history of certain health conditions or is facing pregnancy complications, like especially gestational diabetes um, or anemia, uh, these are things that are very much nutrition related and and could really benefit from meeting with a nutritionist or a dietitian or somebody who's well-versed in prenatal nutrition. Um, but from, you know, a general perspective, I don't think everybody is required to do it. Some people are, um, you know, don't need that extra help and they're perfectly capable of just reading a book. I guess in addition to somebody facing certain health conditions, I would say if your diet is limited in any way, so maybe there's food allergies or intolerances, or maybe um, they're restricting their intake of animal foods, such as a vegetarian. Um, those would be times where you might want to meet with somebody just to make sure that you're covering all the potential nutritional gaps in your diet. Okay. Well, I just was curious if that was like something you recommend that mothers should be trying to get more of on support wise, because of course you can get a duo, you can get all these certain things, but like you said, maybe it should be focused more on if you think you need it. I mean, there's the ideal world and then there's yeah. reality. <laughs> <Yep. You know? laughs> uh, is there anything that you think is important to share with mothers on the podcast? Um, well, I would just let you know that there, I think a lot of people come from the perspective that, you know, pregnancy is just something that happens to you and you have no control over the trajectory of your pregnancy. It's like, well, 
you might get this complication, you might not. It's luck of the draw. Or you might have a healthy baby or you might not. And it's luck of the draw. And there's, of course, always some degree of chance with anything pregnancy and yeah. birth and, and baby child related. Um, however, we have a pretty strong body of evidence now showing that we can really change the trajectory of our pregnancy and influence our potential risk for complications by food and lifestyle choices, um, nutrition being, you know, one of one of the biggest ones. So I think this can be a really empowering thing for people that you can change how you feel and whether or not you're going to have, you know, certain health risks or birth outcomes just with food and lifestyle. And it really comes down to basic things, what you're eating, how you're sleeping, how you're avoiding toxins, how often and how much you're moving your body. Um, th and those are all just wonderful things. And they also pay dividends in your future health, your postpartum recovery, and the health of your child for, for their life. So I hope that's empowering for people. Well, that's important. And I think your book really does help take some of the stress off if you can't get it. Because because of my request, our local library actually got it. So oh, we're able to have that. it in the in the library so hopefully our mothers because the area i live in it's more um low-income families so mm -hmm. not everyone's buying a book right right so that's what i told the library like i can buy the book but mm -hmm. then i just have it <laughs> but if mm -hmm. you get the book everybody gets to read it and so i they won't release the stats of how much it's taken out i was kind of hoping i would get that before they, <laughs> <laughs> but nice. they yeah so hopefully it's been taken out and there's more people able to read it as well so i'll later push on for the real food for gestational diabetes but we'll see yes. what happens <laughs> well thank you for doing that that's that's huge and i love when even clinicians or doulas have like a lending library yes i do so Yep. I remember my doula had that as well. And that was really helpful because sometimes, you know, you might only be doing pregnancy once or twice or maybe three times. And do you really need to have this whole library of books and birth and nutrition and, you know, maybe, but maybe not. And so it's nice when those things are available um, to loan out. Well, I find with all the clients that I'm getting, nobody wants a book. And I'm like, I have so many books. I have like over, pro I think it was over 60 now. And I'm like, oh, wow. somebody take a book, please just read one wow. of the books. So I didn't spend all this way. I'll go to like thrift stores and stuff. And I'm always like, oh, new book, new book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I can see, always that's add. Why, but... That's why they have a doula though, right? So you're yes. in that role of it, of being the educator, just sharing the information, the highlights. That I've read. Um, yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, again, not everybody likes books, so it makes sense. Um, I do have Real Food for Pregnancy available as an audiobook. Um, real food for gestational diabetes, I don't. Um, but for people who prefer to listen, or especially if you're like busy or you have a long commute, or you know, I have people that tell me they listen to the audiobook version while they're washing dishes or commuting to work or on a stroller walk with their kid. And um, that's, that's another way to digest it without actually having to sit and read a physical book or an ebook. So I'll, I'll throw that out there. Awesome. Well, you can send me all the links and I'll make sure to add them into the show notes. Great. And then I think we've covered all of the questions. So do you have anything you want to end with or? Um, well, I guess, uh, I guess final note, since we're talking about, you know, accessing resources freely, um, you can check out my website, lilynicholsrdn.com. And I do give away the first chapter of Real Food for Pregnancy for free there. So you can download that and see if you 
even like it or are interested. Um, but I also have, you know, a blog with over 250 articles on there. So there's a lot of information I try to get out there, you know, for free. And um, my press page also links to a bunch of different interviews. So you can take your pick of podcast interviews or um, guest posts and things to read so that, you know, there's, there's an abundance of information available for you that right there. Well, I'll make sure to send you the link for this. So then if you want, you can add it up there as well. I will. And then I guess, thank you for coming on. It was awesome. I've never thank interviewed you. someone that has written a book before, so I can cross that off my bucket list now. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Anyway, thank you for coming on. And for everyone listening, make sure to check out the show notes so you can learn a little bit more about Lily and her book. Great. Okay. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Have a great day.